are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 14th of July. Is Cade Cunningham match up to the number one picks of other years and two subtle free agent moves that could move the meter Plus, we continue NBA draft by the numbers. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. An extra one or two bump bumps for you today. We are coming to you not live today as the internet at the hotel where I'm staying on some days works and on some days does not. And so I'm on the road today. And while this looked like it was going to work today, um, it is after working yesterday. Consistency is not a strength. Evidently, today's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our locked on rooms. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast from Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. If you're just joining us for the first time this week, we are kind of running through the NBA draft by the numbers. And looking at um, the draft prospects by simply their uh, analytics and a system that we've integrated over the last few years. And we'll do that again um, so far. And it was interesting. I was listening to Chad Ford's big board today. He had Dean on the draft on who really made a case that Cade Cunningham should not be the number one pick. And we have not seen a lot of that. I mentioned it earlier when looking at the numbers that I thought Evan Mobley actually kind of just pure numbers wise jumped out to me one of the cases that dean on the draft makes on on the show and i would strongly suggest listening to it it's chad ford's big board you can get it on any of your podcast places is i wanted to is that he doesn't match up to other top picks so we have three years of data that we've worked on um here and so let's look at it for a second and then we'll get into some free agent um, moves that I think are more subtle that are going to have an impact on free agency and particularly on the Jazz. And then I think, um, and then we'll go look at some more draft prospects today. Uh, so Cade Cunningham's transition percentile is in the 42nd percent. That, one of the things Dean on the draft says on that podcast is that Cade Cunningham's not an elite athlete. And this would back that up 42% in transition, I think transition is a number that shows complete athleticism of the top 20 picks when I've run through them. And, and let me back up one step before we dig in. The question that has to be addressed that I have not on these numbers is, are they different because of COVID? The schedules were different. You weren't playing as many soft games maybe as you would have otherwise. You played more conference games. You played a shorter schedule. There was just so many things going on. So, you know, does that have an impact? But if you look at Anthony Edwards' top pick, 81st percentile in transition, James Wiseman, 92nd percentile, even Tyrese Halliburton, who they said was not a athlete, 93% transition percentile, Obi Topham, 95%, Isaac Okoro, 79%, Devin Vassell, 94th percent. Like, there really weren't... Kyra Lewis, 80%. Sadiq Bey, 93%. Aaron Neesmith, 90%. I mean, almost every top pick last year had that top transition percentile number. Zion was 92nd percentile. John Morant was 76. 
Darius, DeAndre Hunter was 82nd. Jackson Hayes in that draft was 95th. So when you see the transition percentile for Cade Cunningham at 42%, to fu- that, that it, the comparables of, of top picks we don't have. Um, last year's draft, Patrick Williams, Florida State, had that, and Cole Anthony was, but were both below that, and Nico Mannion was right at that. In a previous draft from that, Kobe White, North Carolina, was at that number, and Cam Reddish was at that number. So that's there's some legitimacy that that's a that's an alarming 109 transition attempts to be in the 42nd percentile in finishing and scoring. That jumps out to me. Now his isolation percentage, which is the other number that I think really shows athleticism, is elite. It's 87 percentile, and that's better than Anthony Edwards last year. Um, it's you know, it's frankly 87 is better than almost anyone. Uh, we didn't have a LaMelo ball. Tyrese Halliburton was not good at it last year, which was 36 percentile, which was a little bit of a an alarming number. And again, Caden Cunningham at 87. That matches right to Z- where Zion was. It's a little above Ja Morant. Um, it's above DeAndre Hunter. Um, so that that number is is really good. His pick and roll percentage is in the 62nd percentile. So of the kind of ball handlers, is he a prime? You know, he's talked about as a primary point guard. His assist to turnover number is not great, but his primary ball handler as a point guard in the 62nd percentile, that's better than Anthony Edwards was last year, who was just in the 55th percentile. Um, Tyrese Halliburton was just in the 31st percentile last year. I'm not sure whether he is a point guard or not. Over time, we'll find out. Um, Kyra Lewis was a little bit higher, uh, right about that 60 seconds. Sadiq Bay was much, much higher, um, last year, but so that, and Cole Anthony, um, and it was only in the 38th percentile. So that number is 60 set is pretty good. And his spot up shooting is really good. He can really, really, really stroke it. And his jumper off the dribble percentile in the 65th percentile for Cunningham is good. Like Anthony Edwards was just 42%. Tyrese Halliburton was just 35th percentile. Um, so other top picks have, have Sadiq Bey was just 39th percentile and actually surprised me last year. was able to do that. Of Jaw, um, Jaw was 67th percentile in jumper, which is right on the same number as Cade Cunningham. They're not, he's not that kind of athlete, but RJ Barrett was right on that same number. So, I, I I don't think he – I will say that when you run Cade Cunningham's numbers, and I ran them the other day, and I, I haven't watched these guys a ton, frankly. I run these numbers, and we all know it's because I, I don't watch them a lot until the last second. I probably don't even watch the guys that run the jazz pick. And it was interesting to, to hear that podcast on Chad Ford's Big Board, and I'd suggest going to listen to it and getting more detail because I did run this the other day, and if you were listening to the show, I kind of felt like, wow, his numbers don't peak out to me like a number one – pick that is a is a no fail pick like that was that that was clear to me when I ran those numbers Evan Mobley's much more so um and uh so it's interesting I I think that's true his numbers don't peak out and there are some warts in there and it's a little bit of what Dean's case is with Chad Fortis that there's just enough warts that it's not a no-brainer for this guy to be number one um in the draft so really interesting episode there all right in regards to free agency one of the things that I think, you know, we're all waiting on Kawhi and whatever happens with Ben Simmons. Supposedly Philadelphia started trade talks with him, yet, you know, recently. 
um, John Collins, and we're and and from our standpoint, Mike Conley, like the the big names of the draft. There are two moves, two teams that I think are going to have a bigger impact on free agency. Usually, it's a top down impact, right? So Kawhi makes his decision, which I'm assuming is that he stays with the Clippers, and then Chris Paul makes his decision, which I I, I actually think the Knicks are in play there. Um, if they're willing to pay him, I just don't know that they're going to be willing to pay him $40 million. I think Chris Paul is perfectly willing to leave Phoenix, leave his legacy there, and go do the next thing. Two of the picks that I think, um, two of the teams that I think are going to have a subtle impact on the free agency, or at least are subtle in the sense that it won't grab a huge headline, but then I think will have a massive impact on kind of where free agency goes. And actually, what I actually really think is how salaries could get moved um, and allow for other things. So the first one's actually Sacramento. They're just in a funky state. Like, they've got to do something. They're not rebuilding. They can't rebuild. They've already done that. They don't have quite enough. They've paid Buddy Heald and seem like they're willing to move him. They picked Marvin Bagley instead of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Luka Doncic or Trey Young in a, in I guess Aiton was gone, but in a disaster. He's the worst defensive player in the league by a large margin, I think, uh, at least statistically, at least pick and roll wise. And and then Rashawn Holmes, who was great for them, is a free agent, and I don't know that they're going to re-sign him. And so I think it gets and they have like some picks to move. I think Sacramento gets super interesting. You know, do the Kings trade their pick and end up signing Spencer Dinwiddie and like suddenly they've got some size with Tyrese Halliburton and they move Buddy Heald? Do they, like, does Rashawn Holmes go somewhere else and then they're one of the few teams in the league in the market for a center and then the Jazz have the best backup center in the NBA and I don't suggest we ever do that, but I think they would come calling. Um you know, let's not forget, again, I've said this a lot when we talk about Derek, how important it was to have Derek on the floor last year when against starters so that Rudy could play bench players. And if we drop a tier there, while financially it makes some sense to not have a $9 million backup center, it definitely would hurt us. So let's make sure we understand exactly what we're doing there before we we go too far. Um, so I think Sacramento, you know, they screwed up free agency last year, letting Bogdan Bogdanovich go. Um, so I'll keep an eye on Sacramento. I just think there's a bunch of pieces where, you know, Buddy Heald could end up somewhere. Um, from a jazz standpoint, that's probably not a player I want, but he can really shoot it. Um, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure I'm Buddy Heald, and I might be tainted by, you know, listening to a lot of Locked On Kings and some things like that, but I just feel like there's something missing in the Buddy Heald play that clearly – if you watch him every day in Sacramento, you can feel from their fan base when they talk about him um, and that he's just lacking some winning aspect and he's getting paid 23, 21, and 19 over the next three years. But, you know, that's an interesting – I do like, frankly, Terrence Davis is a restricted free agent on their team. He's had off-court issues. If those are straightened out, he's an elite athlete. He would pick up our athleticism a great deal. And so, again, like – are they able to make moves? If they're not, then suddenly that's a player that's available. Um, Harrison Barnes is a player who I've mentioned before who's got a $20 million contract next year and 18 the year after that. I actually think he's a great value out in the marketplace. And so I just keep an eye. I actually just think, quite frankly, that every player on Sacramento's roster is available. 
They'll tell you De'Aaron Fox isn't, but I actually think on the right deal, De'Aaron Fox probably is. Um, though they have him signed, you know, he's on the Donovan draft, and so they have him signed for 28, 30, 32, 34 for the next four years. So they're not going to, you know, unless they think he's going to force his way out. Um, you know, DeLon Wrights, if, uh, they have who's overpaid at $8 million as a backup point guard. Um, so anyway, I just think they're a super interesting collection of mismatched talent to make moves. The other team that I think is really interesting is the Lakers, and we'll talk about that. Um, when we continue. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Intercap Lending. I was so excited. I got two emails this week from people wanting to work with Steve Carter. And the minute someone's working, I I just get excited because I know if you're working with Steve Carter, you're about to have one of the great customer service experiences of your lifetime. Intercap Lending is our is our lending um, partner here on Locked On Jazz. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. Uh, He does a wonderful job for us um, and gives you amazing customer service each and every time. The reviews are consistent and really, you know, I've said this before, there's just no one I'm more comfortable kind of forwarding out the email to that says, hey, Steve, can you help out Kendall? Steve, can you help out this person? It's been a really neat, neat experience for me as a uh, endorser to have someone who's as consistent and you know, I always tell people, hey, make sure you relay back to me what your experience was. And every time with Steve Carter, it's unbelievable. So Intercap Lending, uh, they're hyper-responsive. They embrace change, borrow experience. Steve Carter will give you a great, great experience and help you out in every which way. Give him a call, 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending. Com. Today's show is also brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Join the lockdown hosts of Major League Baseball, of the NHL, and of the NBA in their green rooms. A new way to talk about sports. You chat with fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team and your favorite sport. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join a conversation about the league. You'll find fans that you like on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. You can find lockdown hosts across MLB, NBA, and NHL. It, the Go grab the app, uh, get started, and meet the fun. It's Green Room. It's changing the way we talk about sports. Uh, by the way, Ultimate Mock Draft starts Monday. It's a brand new feed. It's different. It's called the Ultimate Mock Draft. Go check it out on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get it. It's our program along with Odyssey. Um, Raphael Barlow from our Locked On NBA Draft will be on the desk with me and others, experts, Chad Ford, the local experts, Odyssey experts, incredible show uh, coming in your direction. The Lakers are the other team that's super interesting to me. So I think they have to improve. Rob Palinka showed a real willingness to like make major moves a year ago uh, when he, you know, they win the title and yet I, and still shook up the roster and I, you know, it's easy to say they had injuries, which they did, and it's easy to say they would have won it. I'm not sure I thought he shook up the roster better. Like, I don't think Montrezl Harrell's an upgrade, and I'm not entirely convinced that uh, it was an upgrade to get Dennis Schroeder either. So, um, you know, it's a pretty—so now I do think, like, here he's shown a, a gutsy willingness to improve the roster and has to do it again— And if you dig into what they actually have on the roster this year, here's what the Lakers have on their roster right now. They have Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 
They have LeBron James at 41 million. They have Anthony Davis at 35 million. They have Montrez Harrell on a player option at 9.7. That is brutal. And they have Kyle Kuzma at 13. And they have Marcus Gasol at 2.6. That's it. Like, they're, they're going to have to make a ton of plays, either signing a bunch of minimums or, you know, if they want a player and they want Spencer Dinwiddie or they want Mike Conley or they want Kemba Walker or they want something, they're going to have to package some players. But what's crazy here is that Alex Caruso is an unrestricted free agent. Taylor Horton Tucker is a restricted free agent. Dennis Schroeder is an unrestricted free agent. Um, I don't know if they care if they get Jared Dudley or Ben McLemore back. Markeith Morris, and they may not care, is an unrestricted free agent. And Andre Drummond's an unrestricted free agent. So two things here. One is for them to get anything. I think they actually have to kind of re-sign some of their own free agents. I'm not sure I thought Andre Drummond was a particularly good move. Dennis Schroeder says he wants $150 million, And I don't know what they do about that. And I don't know how that they actually have these like Balmer ask pocketbooks to make moves. Um, so, I mean, I think what gets interesting on them is are they suddenly packaging Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma at $26 million together to make a trade to go sign someone for 30, you know, who's a $30 million, $26 million contract to give them another star player. And then maybe off that, they're able to re-sign Truder. And, I mean, they're definitely, you know, be peeking out on on cap allocation and tax and things of that nature. Um, or, you know, if Schroeder walks, how do they replace it? The only way they replace it is Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma. And let's say they trade the two of those for Kemba Walker or or, or something. I, I don't know. You know, just take your pick of what player we're talking about. Um, and Schroeder leaves, then their rosters, whatever player they just grabbed, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Marcus Gasol. And Montrez Harrell. And that's it. And they've already shown that the Montrez Harrell, Marcus Sol, Andre Drummond thing's not a great matchup. I mean, I think the Lakers are a fascinating team to look at. They have LeBron, they have AD, they're fine. That's 80 million in contracts. And what are they doing next? Kuzma's sitting at 13. Contavious Caldwell Pope is at 13. You really can't trade 13 to get a huge amount, um, but you can trade the two of those combined to get a huge amount. Um, and get a player. So it's pretty interesting to me to see where the Lakers go um, with this. So I think the Lakers and the Kings are the two teams that I would kind of keep an eye on. All right, yesterday we stopped in our draft breakdowns at the top 10. Um, And if you're just joining, you can go back to the last two episodes. Uh, Davion Mitchell was kind of our our star of yesterday's show. Uh, Let's go to the number 11th. I I think I'm using somebody's board, by the way, if you're wondering, like, how I choose who 11 is. So 11 is a kid named Moses Moody out of Arkansas. He's a freshman, 6'6", 205. Transition percentile, 34th percentile. And we'll fly through these because these are players that are just kind of middle of the draft and not on the Jazz radar. But let's see if we can find a star in here that, you know, is there someone you move up to go get that you become very interested in, that we should keep an eye on, those kind of things. Um, Hard for us to trade up, but, you know, we always can try. Justin's going to be super aggressive and try to do what he can to push this team over the edge. Uh, Moses Moody is a freshman shooting guard Arkansas at Arkansas, 34th percentile transition, 
which is not good in 109 attempts, 58th percentile isolation percentage, so nothing super impressive there. So it does not peak out on the athlete scale. His uh, pick-and-roll ball handling is unbelievable, 98th percentile, but he only had 31 attempts. But that still jumps out like, wow, they didn't use him that way. He could be finding something. Remember, Devin Booker only ran 11 pick-and-rolls in college. College is usually a really bad um, indicator. And so if you can find something that kind of says like, oh, wow, look at that. If you do that more, he might be good at it. That's So keep an eye on that one. Moody, as a pick-and-roll ball handler, just absolutely outstanding. Scored at 58% of the time, way higher than anyone else in the draft. 98th percentile is peaking above anyone else in the draft. He, again, only 31 attempts in contrast to Suggs' 127 or Cunningham's 170, but still really interesting. Spot-up percentile, he's in the 78th percentile, so he can he can stroke it. Not incredible, but very, very good. And 151 attempts for Moody is the highest. So this gets interesting. So not elite athlete, maybe better pick-and-roll ball handler than people realize, but an elite-level shooter. Has the most spot-up attempts of any of the players I've run in the top 20. Overall catch-and-shoot percentile is not elite at 63%, but his open catch-and-shoot is in the 80th percentile, 15 of 33 with a 68 uh, effective field goal percentage. So that's that's an interesting player. Can he do anything off the bounce? So that's the final thing we look at. We look at athleticism, playmaking, shooting, and creation. And his creation is average at 58%, 41% shooting. He was 24 of 62. He got 62 off, which is a pretty high number. So this is a kid who comes out as a six-foot his name's Moses Moody, six foot six, two oh five shooting guard, doesn't peak on athleticism at all from an offensive standpoint. Maybe a much a better ball handler than people realize, and a pretty darn good shooter and a little bit off the bounce game. I think that some of those pieces are pretty interesting there. Again, not a player I've watched a lot as I haven't had time, and I don't like college basketball. Um I'm just being honest. Uh but I think that's an interesting one. Like, if I'm a scout and I look at these numbers, like, can his lack, can he become a 6'6 secondary ball handler who can also stroke it? That's a pretty nice player. Uh, let's go to Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. He's a senior. So seniors get interesting because of the fact that they're old. They're 22, 23, playing 19-year-olds, and they have to be really good. There was one last year, Grant Ryler, who really peaked out on the numbers. He kind of had to go back through the years to see whether or not. He's 6'7", 220. His transition percentile is in the 97th percentile. He peaks out here. And so we'd have to take a second and look back and see whether or not he's done this in years past as well. His pick-and-roll ball handling in 42 attempts is in the 87th percentile, so another elite, elite thing here for Gonzaga's Corey Kispert. Um, We go to his spot-up percentile. He's in the 95th percentile in spot-up with a 63% spot-up effective field goal percentage on 137 attempts, which is as much as anyone other than Moody, who we just talked about. His overall catch-and-shoot percentile is in the 81st percentile. Um, and his unguarded catch and shoots in the 87th, like he's perfect so far. And then you get to his jumper off the bounce and he's in the 96th percentile. This is the best resume. You, This is one of the elite resumes statistically that I have seen since we've done this for three years right here. This Corey Kispert. Now, what you have to be careful about is anytime you have a 22 or 23 year old having those kind of numbers against 
younger players and also on a team like that there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects of that numbers where you you're going to jump out and say I'm not buying so I'm not buying because he's old I'm not buying because he plays for Gonzaga who's playing against you know elite uh, who he was playing against inferior competition while having the um, while having elite uh, elite elite level um, you know teammates uh, and I think that when you start kind of looking at, at those things you there's definitely reason to be you know concerned about this and we'll take a second in a minute and look at his numbers from years past and see whether or not they match up because I think that's probably the first one you start to look at is you start to look at Gonzaga in the last few years and whether or not that those numbers are viable. So we'll do that and see. Otherwise, we may have fa- if those numbers show up again in his sophomore and junior year, uh, we have found ourselves a star player um, and a hidden gem of the draft. So we'll continue and look at that when we continue here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show also brought to you by our good friends. Over at Built Bar, the Grasshopper Cookie Bar. Did you get your order in? Because those are outstanding. Absolutely. Uh, I've got the pre-package, so if they're available, grab it. Built Bar is so much fun with all the fun things they're doing with their special, um, their special issue bars, along with all their great ones along the way, the ones you know well, the caramel and the chocolate and their core nine flavors with a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's Built Bar. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 to get uh, 15% off on Built Bar. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your Built Bar order. A candy bar, that ta- or protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or a candy bar that actually gives you the benefit of a protein bar. Whichever it might be, it's great. Make sure you take advantage at Built Bar. Dot com and go get the latest. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag, the latest odds and out there for the NBA Finals and other baseball and the All-Star Game and all the other things taking place. Uh, hopefully you got involved with that. Phoenix or Milwaukee is a five-point favorite tonight over Phoenix. You can bet on that at betonline.ag. And with the promo code locked on, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Check out betonline.ag. Also, check out all the Olympics and NBA futures and all sorts of fun uh, things they have going on right now. Next year's NBA championship odds to win are out, and the Jazz come in as eighth. Brooklyn, Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Bucks, Phoenix, Philadelphia, and then the Utah Jazz at plus 1,600 to go to the NBA Finals. That's at betonline.ag. All right, let's take a look at uh, my internet is a little sketchy, so as I pull these up and I have to pull up multiple days to, to get this, um, the, let's look at the junior year of Corey Kispert and see whether or not it shows the same incredible data And it begins to drop off a little bit in transition. He's in the 67th percentile Um, overall. His spot-up shooting still just as good as the 88th percentile. His pick-and-roll ball handling in 61 chances in the 97th percentile. Um, So you begin to see 
that maybe, you know, as a junior, he's still older than everyone. His catch and shoot in the 87th percentile and his off-the-bounce dribble was in the 96th percentile. I mean, that is a, that's a 1920. That is about as good as you can ask out of a player. Um, and, again, he was older than as a junior as well. So you have to maybe temper it. But the early scan to me is that this is – this is a player that you probably have to look at a little bit if you are um, a scout because that's two years in a row of bona fide numbers. Uh, and, you know, you can take it back to his sophomore year or his freshman year and try to see whether or not it's there as much. Gonzaga's so deep and some of that data then gets a little sc- screwy. And he was playing with great players, so I mentioned it already. But I, I'm going to keep an eye on Corey Kispert. Again, a senior, I usually don't like those kind of draft picks. I always feel like that's a pretty good way to make a mistake in a draft is to go grab the Wesley Johnsons, the Epe Udos, the players who have their success later on in their career uh, in college that weren't as successful in the early parts of their career. And once they got to be the older player, that's – that's the script by which it falls apart. Um, but, you know, some of this is interesting. Kespert as a sophomore, Kispert as a sophomore is in the 77th percentile in transition, a 79th percentile in spot up, pick and roll ball handling. He only ran about 14 of them, but he was great at it. Um, so, again, limited time. His catch and shoot game was not as good as it is now. And his off the bounce game was very, very limited. So, maybe you're seeing some maturation and some additional skills, or you're just seeing him uh, getting older um, against players. And so, that's an interesting one. Let's look at one last final player uh, Keon Johnson, freshman shooting guard out of Tennessee. He's in the 17th percentile. Uh, for transition percentile. He's in the 41st percentile for isolation. So that's a little, that's eye-opening. It's a little bit where Patrick Williams was last year, but he doesn't have that size. Pick and roll ball handler just in the 21st percentile. Um, His spot-up shooting just in the 48th percentile. This is Keon Johnson out of Tennessee. His catch and shoot was just in the 59th percentile. Um, His open catch and shoot, which I always like to just kind of you know, it was 9 of 19, so not bad, 63rd, and 27th percentile in creating. So really, really, this is interesting contrast in the middle of the draft. Corey Kispert peaks out on every statistic, but he's a senior. Keon Johnson actually is the nadir of almost all of these statistics, and he, but he is a freshman, 6'5", 186, and you have Corey Kispert, who's 6'7", 220, a grown man at that part. A really interesting statistical contrast between those two players and somewhat telling kind of to look back at in a few years of whether or not these numbers actually reveal anything or not or whether, you know, there's so many outside factors such as age and a freshman playing. Um, I think a freshman playing in a COVID year is also one to keep an eye on. All right, that is Locked On Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. I hope you're having a great one. Right now, go tell yourself to listen to your smart device to listen to the most recent episode of Locked On Today and make sure you get Chad Ford's big board as well. See you soon.